tonight and continue playing oh Lord Jesus how wonderful how beautiful you are Lord we just are thankful for you coming by and being in our service and in our worship and in our songs and in our hearts Lord and Father, we want to magnify you and lift up your name. And we want to give you glory and honor. And Lord, we believe that you're the king of all kings. And Lord, you're coming into power, oh God. And we have fallen into a good places, Lord. And we're under that anointing, Lord, knowing that our king is soon coming. Oh, Father, just brood over us tonight. May your spirit, oh God, just continue through this service, oh God. We welcome you tonight, Lord. We worship you. We praise your name, Father. We glorify you, Lord. We love you, Lord Jesus. Oh, blessed be your holy name. Blessed be your holy name. Lovely one, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, as we just continue and we just now look to the Word and this part of the service, we commit ourselves, our speaking, our hearing, our thoughts. Take the preeminence in our midst, Lord. Father, we commit ourselves to you and all that are listening in. We pray that you would be Lord over us all. Granted in Jesus' name, amen. I'll invite you to go directly to the Word tonight. We'll go to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. I will like to follow a little bit in the vein of last Wednesday, but in a little different way. I spoke on the magnification of the law, and we, we spoke on Jesus, the sinner's friend, but... We're going to do this a little different way tonight. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth if the tree fall towards the south or toward the north in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. He that observeth the wind shall not sow. He that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. In the morning sow thy seed, 
and in the evening withhold not thine hand. For thou knowest not whether thou shalt prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. Truly the light is sweet, and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. God bless his word. You may have your seats. Before I go into the service, maybe fully, I, just a couple of announcements. This Sunday, Brother Simon Peter Sesse from New York will be here speaking both services, Sunday morning, Sunday evening. One week later, that is December 4th, we're planning for a communion service in the evening. There's um, some adjustments we're having to make to how we do that. So I'd, I'd like to meet maybe with the deacons just briefly to discuss that with them as well, if we can do that. Uh, just in looking ahead a little bit, and we'll post some announcements on this, towards the holiday season, we're coming to the end of November. That means we're coming to Christmas season. So Sunday is December 25th. We would have one service that day. Um, Sunday, one week later, is January 1st. We'll have one service that day, and there will be no Wednesday service at all. So then we have been announcing that we'll do a New Year's gathering, which we haven't been able to do the last couple of years, but it would be for Friday, December the 30th, and it would be a, on the variety of a potluck gathering and maybe just a little more casual and some fellowship as we did years ago, and maybe just so I can clarify my comments a little bit, if I wasn't clear, we did send an email out asking for those that would be able to attend. We're just trying to confirm our venue. So, and I did say all, all are invited. If you didn't get an email, I'd ask that you contact the office or myself, or as I said, the brethren, which I meant to be the deacons, so if you'd contact one of those, if, if you haven't been contacted in any way, and we'll try and funnel that all in. All that being said, we will make known to you a little further what the, the manner would be. Sister Mary Wall would be organizing again um, what you would bring and what you would do. And uh, as far as the rest of that, that'll unfold as it comes. Is that all okay? Okay. Sorry if I caused any confusion to anyone, but that's what we're looking for, if we can do that. Also, just um, we had prayer requests for those that were still sick. Some are recovering. Um, I think Sister Esther Nunweiler's a little better. Um, had some kidney pain. And, and Brother Ed Semenuk, I spoke with him as well today. He's recovering from a knee operation. Brother Luke Semenuk's doing better. It's got a path moving forward and in good spirits. So let's continue to uphold one another in prayer. Amen. Are you ready for the word tonight? We're going to do this maybe a little different, maybe a little be a little bit of a Bible study. But I, I want to speak, and it, I'm going to call this God's unfolding order. And our subject will be Earth's caretakers. Earth's caretakers. There's always intriguing how. A service evolves and how there's a convergence of thoughts and I won't go into all of that but a caretaker if I can take a definition is one employed to take to care of a house or land while the owner is away 
And that includes the physical or emotional care and support. So that's a caretaker. Now I'm going to go back to the scripture we read last. I'll be referring to a few scriptures. So if you will go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 10, please. Deuteronomy chapter 10. And uh, sorry, am I... Before I go there, let's just go to Psalms 24. I'm sorry. Thanks, Ethan. Psalms chapter 24. If I can't take a little bit of a principle, and it's in the Bible, and we'll read Psalms 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So you might have a property, and it might be yours, and you might say, it's just my piece of land, but really, it all belongs to God. Right. <laughs> and so, so he says, for he hath founded it upon the seas, and he has established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitful, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Now, I'll just go over a couple of verses to Psalms 33, and I'll just pick it up from verse 4. And this kind of picks up on that same word, same vein. For the word of the Lord is right, and all of his works are done in truth. He loves righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as a heap, he layeth up the depth in the storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen. To naught he maketh the devices of the people of non effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever the thoughts of his heart to all generations. So the principle being is that it's God's property. It's God's earth. It's one of his attributes. And God redeems all of his attributes. So the earth that we see that is full of corruption and full of sin and full of um, accusing devils that are all around us, the prince of the power of the air, the one that causes earthquakes and storms and winds and all the things, that's just temporal. The earth is always and always will be God's property. And so it is the Lord's. He is God over the heavens, and he is God over the earth. And as much as we may like to take ownership of the little portion that we have here, we need to be recognizing one thing. It was given to us by God. And if you can come to that realization, you'll be a whole lot more content than much of the earth is right now. Many of the people on the earth. So even our time here, it was not ordered of ourselves. It was given to us by God. Our birth was given and our death 
We can't control those things necessarily and our lot in life. So this is the bigger picture that I'm going to focus in on. So I'll just go, and as I said, I'm doing a little study, so we'll go back to Genesis 1 for a moment. And this is the original creation, and this is God's original form, and we know that we're living in a fallen state, but let's just look at the original. Uh, Genesis 1, I'll just be brief in, in the Scriptures, but verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So as much as God had set this boundary of this earth, he also made man an integral part of watching over the earth. Verse 28, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Now this was said to man in a theophany form, and it was said to man in a, in a manner where he was, it was male and female. And yet man had not yet set foot on the earth, but this was God's principle that he established from the beginning. So we had a part in it. Okay, so it was, it was, it was that. So Genesis 2, verse 7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. He breathed into him the nostrils of the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So now he breathes life into him. He places him on the earth. There's a tangible evidence of everything that God had in the spiritual is reflecting in the natural. Drop down to verse 15. And the Lord God took the man, and he put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. In other words, here, Adam, it's yours. Take care of it. You know, I'm giving it to you. It's in your hands. You have dominion over it. You can do what you want with it. But I'm giving it into your hands. Now, this is God's original tent, intent from the very beginning. And, and Adam was, at that time, the God of the earth. God had given the earth, he made it, he gave it into his son, and he gave it to him, and he said, it's yours, here, dress it, keep it, it's given to you, so it's, it, just watch over it. Now, I, I'm not going to dwell long on this, but from that, Adam fell, and we know that when he fell, and um, I didn't, I didn't, I'm not going to take the scriptures, but at the fall, and then God judged him, and really the conditions that he fell on was not to touch the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the day you do is the day you die. So, and when he fell, Adam lost his sonship. He lost his dominion. He lost, he becomes an alien. He becomes a stranger. He becomes a pilgrim on the earth. And the earth while, while the earth is now fallen, because when man fell, the earth fell. And, and the earth fell, and yet Adam 
Now, it just, it's amazing to me, the legal part of this, Adam, who had the title deed, who had the backup to say, this was given to me, that title deed never went to the devil. He said, he's never had control of it. He never will. And it, and it goes from Adam back to the original owner, which is God, and it's held there waiting for redemption's claims. So that, that's been held for 6,000 years, but in this last time, that title deed is going to be put back in the hands of man again. Oh, friends, we're living in a glorious hour. If we could realize this, we have been given this. Now, I could take the whole service and stop it right there, but I want to join these two together just for a few moments, and I'm going to try and lay in some types and some things. Now, if, if you look at the judgment that was given, the serpent was given his judgment in, in Genesis 3, and that he would, he would go and he'd be cursed above all the cattle, every, every part of the, every beast of the field, go on his belly and eat dust all of his life. The, the woman was, was also given a judgment, but in the woman's judgment was a promised seed. So God, God is planting something. But to Adam... The earth was going to be cursed for, his sa- for your sake. He was gonna, it was going to be in sorrow. He was going to eat of it, thorns and thistles, and all by the, you know, it would, it would bring forth, and thou shalt eat of the her- herb of the field. You know, but in the sweat of your face you shall eat the bread. And, and, he, and, he, and so God is now, the earth that was under him is now not productive. It's not fruitful and I'm not saying it isn't, but it's not in the way it was when he was the owner thereof. So if we take all of this, Adam falls, and, 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 and from that moment, what looked like a defeat to the plan of God, it actually set in motion God's unfolding of redemption's plan. So he began to, right from that time, the very first one, the first blood that was ever spilt was when God, when he took an animal and he gave, he spilt the blood of an animal and he gave the skins to Adam as a covering and he begins the work of redemption. And if you take the message, the cruelty of sin and the penalty that it costs thereof, it's so descriptive. It's one of those messages that Brother Branham would speak as a drama. And as a drama, you know, he talks about how God couldn't stand it and how he would come down under love and he'd come down and he began to make a way for Adam's fallen race right from that moment. So Adam became a pilgrim and a stranger. And, and he lost all of the, the, uh, the, the ownership, you know, and, and yet God recognizes that I've got to make a way back, and he began continually unfolding or projecting that even back under the law. Okay, so, so just stay with me. I'm, I'm going to try and bring a few scriptures. Let's just, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, you, I'll, you don't have to turn to him. I'll try and move quickly, but Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 <clears throat> I maybe didn't give you that one, Ethan, I'm not sure. Hebrews 11, so this is now just taking it says 
These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. Now a believer doesn't live his life like the rest of humanity. You know, get all you can, live, taste, have a good time, eat, because tomorrow we die. We don't live that way. We live with the thought of where we're going and it reflects in our actions, in our attitudes while we sojourn on the earth. Though we are pilgrims and strangers, we know we're coming back here. And just like um, Abraham, when he began to look for a burying place for Sarah, he went to a certain piece of ground, Genesis chapter 23, and he bought this place. He didn't allow them to give it to him. What was he doing? He was planting a framework. He was making an act on earth that was going to speak of a future resurrection. And that was the very same place that Job was. And, 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 and it became a place, and they did it by faith, knowing that they're going to have a better resurrection. And now this is a natural people, okay? Even Joseph, when he gave command concerning his bones, he would give command and said, listen, don't bury me in Egypt, but bury me in the promised land. And he made them swear. He says, that when you leave the land, you take my bones with me because my inheritance is not in this land. This is where I lived, but that's where my resurrection is. So they were pilgrims. They were strangers. And in verse 14 it says, For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. Now, God is the one who initiates... <coughs> even in this, initiates this plan of redemption. But if you read the first parts of Genesis, after Adam went out, there's not a lot of instruction given regarding how to conduct yourself and how to be righteous. And, and yet there was very obviously an awareness both amongst the righteous and the unrighteous of the acts that they were doing. So I don't know if this was just passed on down from Adam and how it came because the Bible doesn't record a lot about how you should conduct yourself and how you should act and how you should do things. And, and so many of them lived their lives out in types. And, and so we recognize you know, that there was a span of 2,000 years up to the flood. And then after the flood, you know, then after that God called Abraham... And, 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 and that became the beginning of the Jewish people on earth. And, and, and out of Abraham, and I'm just taking quantum leaps here, but out of Abraham, his seed would sojourn in a strange land, and a prophet would rise up who was going to be not just a prophet, but a lawgiver. And he was going to initiate a way of living, a way of life, and that was the Exodus. And so he brought the people out of the world unto a mountain where God was going to speak to them. Now, I, if I can, I'll just go to Deuteronomy 10. This is where I was want to jump back to from last week. So Deuteronomy 10, and this is now at the time of the Exodus, not at the, so much at the going out, but as the coming in. 
And now they're coming in, and in Exodus 20, they had received the, the Ten Commandments. They'd received instruction. A whole generation had passed. And now Moses is reaffirming these things. So Deuteronomy 10, verse 11, And the Lord said to me, Arise, take thy journey before the people, that they may go in and possess the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Now, this is a natural people being given a natural inheritance. And associated with that inheritance, they had to be placed, they had to be put in their, in their proper place. And it was a type of where we're at. We're, we're living in the season of the fulfillment of the inheritance. So, now, the approach that Moses is telling this generation is in verse 12. Now, Israel, what does the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve him, to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul? So, he's, he's telling them, You've got, this is your approach. Keep his commandments of the Lord, his statutes, which I command thee this day for good. And he goes back to the promise, and he says, Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord thy God's and the earth also. So he's telling them that, that it's still God's. Just remember that. And, and, and he's saying, you know, don't focus on where you've been and where you're going to. Remember, it's all God's. And he's saying... Now, only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even to you above all people. And then we, we took last week about love ye the stranger and, and all of that. But go with me now, and I'll just jump over to 1 Kings. Now Israel's in the land. This is in the time of Solomon, 1 Kings chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8, and, and I'm just using some principles to get to a few things. 1 Kings chapter 8, and this we'll start reading from verse 55. <coughs> and this is now um, when, when uh, Solomon had built the temple and he blesses, blesses the children of Israel. In verse 55, he stood and blessed all the congregation of Israel with a loud voice saying, Blessed be the Lord who hath given rest unto his people Israel, According to all that he promised, he has not failed one word of his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. The Lord our God was with us. He was with our fathers. Let him not leave us nor forsake us, that he may incline our hearts unto him to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, which he commanded our fathers. And he says... And let these words wherein I have made supplication for the Lord be nigh unto the Lord our God day and night that he may t maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of the people of Israel at all times and as the matter shall require that the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is none else. So there is a peculiar people been given a peculiar promise and here they are now they are been given a law, a manner of, 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 of living on the earth. And, and now I'm going to take this thought now just going into this of, of the caretaker because, and I'll go back to Exodus here just for this. I, I realize I've laid a lot of scriptures, but here I'll just kind of settle it down to follow some thoughts through. 
So Exodus 20 was the Ten Commandments. And, and if you read it through, Exodus 21 and 22 and 23 are, is actually a furtherance of laws and instructions. And Exodus 21, much of it relates to conduct between the people, where he'd say an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. And in other words, if somebody offends you or does this, you have a right to do it back to them. And, and, you know, and if his ox comes in your fields and eat, you send your ox into his fields and, or let him restore it, vice versa. You know, so it was really like tit for tat in, in all of this. But now I'm, I'm going to drop down to Exodus 22, verse 21. And I, I want you to think about not just God looking on a people, but he's looking on the earth and he's asking them, it's, you're not in your inheritance yet, but you need to consider where you're going. So Exodus 22 and, and verse 21. Thou shalt neither vex a stranger nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If you afflict them in any wise, they, and they cry it all unto me, I will surely hear their cry. So he's giving them instruction. Listen, how you conduct yourself. It's good to say we're message believers. It's good to say I believe the different things. But it needs to reflect and reciprocate into all manner of our life. How, how do we handle ourselves out in the world? How do we handle what's our approach in our job and say, you know, you can take the union attitude. Well, this is my job, and I stop here, and this is as far as I go. And, and, and the union attitude is great if you want to live by that. But many times, you do things, and we do things as Christians, that go beyond what the duty or the guideline is. And God was trying to teach this to Israel, said, remember, you know, along the way, if it's in your hand to do good to someone, Go ahead and do it. Don't withhold. God's watching. So, so what is it? It's a reflection of where we're going. We're, we're, by making these things on the earth now, it actually comes back to us in a millennium. Yeah, you walked here, you stood there. I, I remember, uh, and maybe it's not quite fitting, but the brother that, that sang... I don't remember his name now. He had a really deep voice and he sang the songs How Great Thou Art at the time of Brother Branham. Brother Ungren. Thank you, Brother Ray. So Brother Ungren and Brother Branham knew him and, and Brother Ungren's mom and dad were not together. And uh, Brother Ungren just said, would you be able to talk to them? And, and Brother Ungren, he went to Brother Ungren's dad and, and Brother Ungren, he, he said to him, he said, uh, and he was saying, well, I've done so much, she would never have me. And he said, oh, yes, she would. She'll have you. He says, well, like, just go. Start to, to make amends. And he says, uh, how do you know? He says, I saw you walking hand in hand in the millennium. Now, that, that's amazing to me, to, to be able to see that. But, but the attitudes that we start with here reflect right through into a millennium. So, so now here, he's telling them, act a certain way. Now, let's just drop down to, we're in Exodus 22, verse 29. 
Thou shalt not delay to offer the first of thy ripe fruits. Now it doesn't say, you know, it, it doesn't just say you, you have to op- offer them, but don't delay it. Go ahead and do it. <laughs> and he says, And of thy liquors and the firstborn of thy son shalt thou give to me. Likewise shalt thou do with thine oxen and with thy sheep. How many knows that the firstborn belongs to the Lord? That's what the Bible says. And it says, and, and with thy sheep, and, and, and seven days it shall be with his dam, and on the eighth day you shall give it to me. This goes right down to cattle. So what are you doing? By, by giving something to God, the first fruits, you're putting him first and you're saying, I'm not here to get all I can. I'm here to honor God. I'm here to live my life for God. And in so doing, I'm actually casting my bread on the waters, if you want to say it that way. I don't know if it'll ever come back. Maybe it doesn't come back till the other side. But you know what? I'm giving it to God. Now, you can't earn your way there. So... Don't try and give everything away and say, here, I gave it all away. Let me in, let me in. No, it doesn't work that way. There's, there's something more to it. And, and so, and you shall be holy men unto me, neither shall you eat any flesh that is torn of the beasts in the fields. You shall cast it unto dogs. This is really, is, is really something. You know, so some, some animals got after something and there's some meat there and you went by with your... You know, and what would be called roadkill. And he said, hey, I could take this home and, you know, strip away everything. And, do. and he says, no, don't touch it. Leave it for the dogs. Like, you think God in creation would give us all these little things? God cares for his creation. He cares for the order of his creation. But we're talking about a mindset. Okay, so, friends, we're living in Laodicea. Laodicea is consumed with goods. Laodicea is consumed with, with everything that they can gather. And these principles are so far beyond Laodicea. Yeah. Now, let's just go into Exodus 23, verse 4. Now, it's interesting how it's put. If you meet thine enemy's ox or his ass going astray. Now, it's, it says your enemies. It doesn't say your friends. It says your enemies. This is amazing. If you meet your enemy's ox or his ass going astray, you shall surely bring it back to him again. If you see the ass of him that hateth thee lying under his burden, and thou wouldst forbear to help him, in other words, oh, his donkey is overloaded. (laughs) Let's see how that animal performs. No, he says, don't do that. Do whatever you can to lighten the load. Friends, this is, if this was under the law, what is the magnification of the law? Okay? Now he says, you shall surely help him. Oh man, this is, this is not getting the resounding amens I thought it would. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, let's just keep going. <laughs> okay, faith comes by hearing Hearing by the word of God, maybe by the end of this service we'll have a little more faith for these things. So, drop down to verse 9. You shall not oppress a stranger, for you know the heart of the stranger, seeing you were strangers in the land of Egypt. So, he's again talking about an attitude. Remember where you came from. 
And six years you shall sow thy land, and shall gather in the fruits thereof. Now he's talking about the land. The land is their inheritance. But the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie still. This is the earth. You're a caretaker of the earth. You know, no, this is my piece of property. I, I got it planned out. I need to yield this. And, and you know, could you imagine them? Year four, year five, year six. Ah, oh, the seventh year. And I got, I got to just leave it. Yeah. Listen, friends, we can take this attitude into anything. Tithing, helping. <laughs> Do I? You know, listen, so-and-so invited me. I guess I have to invite them over. No, just do it. Don't care. Just do it. Don't worry about if you get invited back or nothing. Sorry, I'm trying to make it relevant here. And it says, but the seventh year shall let it rest, lie still, that the poor of thy people may eat, and that they leave the beasts of the field shall eat, in like manner shalt thou deal with thy vineyard and thy olive yard. Now this is God providing for animals, for the earth, for the health of the people, for the health of the nation. Not all about self. Could you imagine the Jews who are, and we all know how the Jews are, right? Could you imagine them as they'd read these things in the law? Oh my goodness. No, they had to do it. But God was trying to bring them to something. Drop down to verse 19. The first of thy first fruits of the land shall you bring into the house of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not seize a kid in his mother's milk. So it would, it would talk, you can actually read this also in Deuteronomy 14 verse 21, how when a, when a, little, a little one was born, and, and they, according to the traditions that I read about, they, they would, they would kind of boil them and, and do that, and then they'd sprinkle it because they believed it was fruitful. But he says, don't do that. You're not supposed to do that, he would say. In other words, God made all of these things. Like, you think, why would, you know, God created the heavens, the stars, the solar system, and now he's telling them about how to conduct their animals, what their crop planting schedule should be, etc., etc., etc. Because God cares. <laughs> wow. You know what? We don't have as many rules as they had in the Old Testament. But we have a heart whereby we can express the same God who was moving towards something here. Go over to Exodus 23, uh, verse... No, sorry. Deuteronomy 11. Let's go over there. Deuteronomy 11. I won't dwell any longer in Exodus. Deuteronomy 11. So now this is Moses speaking to this, you know, 40 years later, a generation. They're going to go in and possess their inheritance. <coughs> now... That you may, in verse 9, that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them and to their seed a land that flows with milk and honey. For the land whither thou goes in to possess it, it is not as the land of Egypt from whence you came out that you sowed their seed and you watered it with your foot as a garden of herbs. Now he's telling them, you're in Egypt for 400 years. You got used to irrigation. You got used to what you had to do. This is not the kind of land you're going into, but the land you're going into, it's a land of hills and valleys and drinks, the water of the rain of heaven. Verse 12, a land which the Lord thy God cares for. Does God care for us? 
We, we don't have a natural land, but God cares for all the congregation. He cares for whether you're rich or you're poor. He cares whether you're young or you're old. He cares for all of them. And his eyes, that the eyes of the Lord are always on it from the beginning of the year even to the end of the year. So here's the principle. God is caring for the land. Deuteronomy 20. I'm, I'm bringing a few scriptures that, that relate to the caretaker principle. They were not in possession of the title deed, but they were making steps, if I call it that way. Deuteronomy 19, or Deuteronomy 20, verse 19. Now, could you imagine this? This is to the generals. They're going to be fighting a war. They're going to do everything they can to win this war. And they're, they're going in to possess their land. But look at the instruction God gives them. When you shall besiege a city a long time in making war against it to take it, thou shalt not destroy the trees thereof by forcing an axe against them. Listen, maybe it would help, like just maybe the, the, the walls of the city had lots of trees and it would help the battle if they could just cut down the trees and win the battle. Like, Lord, aren't you interested in winning the battle? No, I'm also interested in redemption. I'm also interested in, in caring for the earth. So he says, don't destroy the trees by forcing an axe against them. You may eat of them, but you shall not cut them down. For the tree of the field is man's life to employ them in the siege. Wow, this is, this is quite something. Do you ever think about Brother Branham? You know how he would have certain principles? How he was out hunting and he said he would never shoot more than he needed. And even when, he, when, when brethren came to him and asked him, because you're such a good shot, can you shoot for me? After a while that condemned him and he said, no Lord, I, look how sensitive he was. He said, I won't do that, Lord. And even when he was on the top of the mountain and he saw those three deer walk out, he said, no, Lord, I promised you I wouldn't do that. And did you watch the intimate conversation between him and God at that time? It was, you remembered your promise, I remember mine. When God sees you taking care of the little things that belong to God and his kingdom, sometimes without great fanfare. But when God sees that, I believe God's pleased with that. And, and, and he's looking at our attitude and how we employ these things. Now he also says in verse 20, only the trees which thou knowest that they be not trees for meat, you shall destroy and cut them down, and thou shalt make bulwarks against the city that makes war with thee until it be subdued. So there's a balance in all of this, right? You know, the, the scripture we read last Wednesday about, you know, you should um, leave the corners of your fields, leave something for the wayfarer and the stranger, um, leave, leave for the poor, and then not glean the fields, leave something, don't go back. As an, as an owner, it wasn't very good. But, you know, this works both ways too, right? The, some of the, you could be lazy and you think, well, I'm not going to plant a field, I'll let those guys plant for me and I'll just go around the corners. 
But God is take, takes care of both sides, right? So let's, let's just go over to uh, Deuteronomy 23. Deuteronomy 23, verse 24. When you come into your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat grapes thy fill at thine own pleasure, but thou shalt not put any in thy vessel. In other words, don't come with a backpack and a shopping cart and fill it up and try to pack up and go from there. <laughs> Listen, there's, God has balance on these things, right? And he says, when you come into the standing corn of thy neighbor and you want to pluck the ears with thine hand, don't come with a sickle. <laughs> Oh, let's bring the combine. Let's just go in here and let's get everything we can. No. Do, do you think God has a balance in things? I think it's wonderful. Uh, you, you think, this is all part of the Bible that we believe. And this is all projecting forward to something. You know, you know the, the very scripture that we believe? Malachi 4, verse 5 and 6. That whole portion of Malachi starts with, remember you the law of Moses. Malachi 4 verse 1. Remember the law of Moses because it can be easily forgotten with all the influences around us. Okay, so don't do those things. There was a little one, if I can say to bring it up to date, and it's in, in, in Proverbs 25. <coughs> You know, you know, you should be hospitable. You should, you should do these things for everybody. But, you know, there's a balance to all these things. While I'm on this side of the, of, of the whole thing, Proverbs 25, verse 17, it says this. You know, it says, go to your neighbor's house and, you know, and entertain the stranger. But it also says, withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee. You've camped here for two months now. Like, I'm getting tired of this. So, so there's instruction both ways here. So if, you, if you're staying somewhere, and listen, i, I got to watch what I say here because somebody will think I'm speaking to them. But if, if you're staying somewhere, hey, we're going on holidays. We know that you live in Florida. We want to come for two weeks. Is it okay if we stay with you? And if you stay there a week and they put Proverbs 25 verse 17 on your door, you get the message, don't you? <laughs> so here, there's a balance in all of these things. Okay, let's, let's just move along. This is called sustainable living. Okay, the world, you, you think that the world in all their environmental things and, you know, sustainable, you know, you know, this is sustainable coffee, this is sustainable this, and, you know, they're only a copycat of what God is already doing. You know, so... Sustainable living. I'm not going to be here forever. I, I, I'm not going to hear and milk this for all it's worth. I, I'm, I'm also planting seeds for future. Okay? Deuteronomy 22. <coughs> Deuteronomy 22, going back. Now, let's just pick this up from... Let's go to Deuteronomy 22. We'll start in verse 6. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Okay, you're, you're out in the battle. You're possessing the land. If a bird's nest chance to be before thee in the way in any tree or on the ground 
and whether there be young ones or eggs, and the dam is sitting on the young or upon the eggs, you shall not take the mother with the young. Okay, did you know what the previous verse was? Like, we, we won't major on that one very much, but there's a principle. Brother Ram said, if you don't see Christ in every verse, go back and look at it again. Well, the one just before that is about a woman wearing anything pertaining to the man. But this one is right there too. So he's telling you, you know, Brother Adam would talk even about the robins. He'd say, oh, you young brothers, don't go shooting my robins. They're, they're a representative of Christ. Listen, he was sensitive. He was sensitive to uh, a possum. He was sensitive that there's an interconnectedness with the whole earth that we dwell in. Friends, I, I believe that with all my heart. And, and, and if God is making these things, listen, you're a caretaker of the earth, Israel. That's a natural earth. These are things I want you to do. And, and somebody may have looked and said, hey, there's some eggs here, but there's a mother on them. Here. You know, and they may have looked for ways around. Try and scare the mother away, and then we can have scrambled eggs or something. No, that wasn't what God wanted. So he says, Verse 7, but thou shalt in any wise let the dam go and take the young to thee, that it may be well with thee, and that you may prolong your days. What has got a nest in a tree got to do with prolonging my days? It's, the earth is part of God's attributes, the natural earth. Now, verse 8, when you build a new home, and you, then you shall make a battlement on your roof, that thou bring not any blood upon thine house, if any man fall from thence. This is the first safety rules that were ever implemented. It was right here. Yeah, they had, they had somebody checking. Safety rules. In other words, don't, don't create hazardous conditions. Look, look, look at these things. You shall not sow a vineyard with diverse seeds. Let the fruit of thy seed which thou hast sown, and the lest... The fruit of thy seed which thou hast sown and the fruit of thy vineyard be defiled. So there's certain things that they were meant to harmonize and bring together. Verse 10, you shall not plow with an ox and an ass together. Okay, time out for a sec. I saw this cartoon today. Just time out. I saw this cartoon and it showed a bunch of Vikings rowing. And they were rowing. And on one side there was all these 250 pound Vikings and they're all like rowing like and you could see them rowing so there's three or four of them on that one side on the other side there's these 110 pound Vikings scrawny and, and the guys on the one side you know we've been rowing a long time I feel like we're going in a circle <laughs> listen I, I don't know where that came from in other words don't have diversity you know listen our services as, as a minister you're not just there to preach just to the elite. But you're there to preach to everyone. And when we, and when we present Christ, it's not just Christ in, 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 in the mighty and doctrines and the mysteries, but it's Christ down here. And when they see your life and how you are, and, and, you know, and if you really got Christ in you, a good test is when you're at Tim Hortons and you're, you're anxious to get into the coffee line and somebody gets in front of you and you just say, no problem. Go ahead. Uh, you might like that may not mean a lot. It's paid dividends to me in the in the past. 
The guy said, you let me in, I'm buying your coffee. Now, I wasn't hoping for that when I did that. <laughs> but <laughs> listen, that's part of the earth. That's part of God's economy. Listen, I know this is just teaching and simpler tonight, but it's, it, it's, it's part of the same thing. So, so here, here's all of these, 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 these little things that were given. You know, it was, it's like, it's like it tells you the three ordinances, water baptism, communion, foot washing, and then it says, happy are you if you do these things. And, and foot washing is not something everybody likes, and, and communion, I don't, I don't like being challenged, and but you know what? Happy are if you do these things. There's a rest with it. There's a rest that goes with your mindset. Okay, I'm, I'm going to work. I'm not just a union guy, though I work for the union. Listen, that same thing comes right to where we're at. And I, I don't have all the quotes with me tonight, and I wasn't going to do that because I wanted to keep the flow going. But Brother Branham would say, if you see something, you know, that, you know that's so-and-so's job... And it just missed, go and do it anyhow. Now, don't go and trample on his job. But, but you know what? There's a piece of garbage laying somewhere. Go and pick it up anyhow. I'm a caretaker in this house. And, and, but I, listen, we, we, have a, we have a janitor. No, that isn't what it's about. It's about God's house. And I'm a part of God's house. And I'll do whatever I can to protect God's house. And I, I want to be a part of God's program. So I'm a caretaker, not just over a natural earth, but a spiritual earth. Now, now, let's just, just let me take a few more. Where are we at for time? We're, we're doing okay. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 30. <coughs> 1 Samuel chapter 30. And this is something Brother Ron Spencer had spoke on. And it was on the scripture about, and Brother Max, I think you've, is it 1 Samuel 30? Yeah. 1 Samuel chapter 30, and it's when, when David's uh, people, his wives, everything was done, and David inquired, shall I overtake them? He said, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them. And without fail, you will recover all. So, and we know the story. David went, and with his men, they went, and they recovered all. Now come down to verse 18. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives, and there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, Neither spoil, neither anything that they had taken. David recovered all. That's wonderful. And David took all the flocks and the herds which they drave before those other cattle and said, this is David's spoil. So David's spoil, so he collected all of this. And then David came to 200 men which were so faint that they could not follow David whom they had made also to abide at the brook Besor. And they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. And when David came near to the people, he saluted him. Now, 
here's 200 men who are in the battle with David, but they, they got so weak they couldn't go all the way. So while David, some of his men went further, these who were, had been there, now they'd lingered there. And now the men who had gone all the way, they came back and look at what the scripture calls them. Then answered all the wicked men and the men of Belial of those that went with David and said, because they went not with us, we will not give them aught of the spoil that we have recovered. They didn't make it too bad. It's ours. Now, that's a fine attitude. And said, save to every man his wife and his children that they may lead them away. And look at David. David had the spirit of Christ. And he says, you shall not do so, my brethren. He didn't call them wicked men of Belial. He said, you shall not do so, my brethren. That which the Lord has given us, who hath preserved us, and delivered the company that came against us into our land, for who will hearken unto you in this matter? And he says this, but his part that goes down to the battle shall be his part that tarrieth by the stuff. They shall part alike. In other words, their reward is the same. It's just the same principle as the 11th hour workers. Well, hey, how come these guys are getting the same reward that I get? I'll tell you what, if you have the spirit of Christ in you, you want everybody to come in, though you've labored 30 years, and somebody comes in at the last minute, there will not be, well, I get this much and they get, no, that's gone in the whole matter. So look at David. Here's the beginning of this. He says, so whoever went, I love how it says, the one that goes to the battle or the one that stays by the stuff. They have the same part. And now verse 25, and so it was from that day they made a statue and an ordinance for Israel unto this day. So they said, hey, this is the way it's going to be going on down. I, I like that. I think that's really good. You know, it, it's just the same as, you know, we, we, if we really think about it, we, we're, we're living in the seventh age. We're, we're living at a time when, you know, the first church age went into the ground. They never came, but they, they went into the ground with an expectation of seeing Christ and getting their reward. They didn't see it. Second age, third age, fourth age, fifth. We're in the seventh age. There is no more ages. We are the ones that will partake the promises. We are the group that, that is typed as Enoch, the seventh. And we're the ones that will receive the promise. Does that make us more special? No. They were necessary for us to get here. Therefore, they get the same reward. They get the same expectation. So we shouldn't lift ourselves up and say, well, I'm part of the seventh age. God must have favored me. They're all the same. We're all the same. <coughs> I'm going to do something a little different here. This was a poem. Ethan, if you want to get that ready. This is a poem somebody wrote many years ago. And they put it into a little song. It's about three minutes long. And I'm going to play it for us. So that we have a consideration for where we are. We're caretakers of God's economy. And the economy doesn't just relate to the earth. It relates to God's people. 
And it relates to us looking not just on ourselves, but looking beyond ourselves. It's called the bridge builder. If you want to just turn one of these back lights off, Brother Jarrett, Brother Ethan, if you can play it. a good principle. Why do we do the things we do? Why do we lay down principles? And, you know, why did Moses tell 
the, in Deuteronomy 6 say, when you come into the land, you shall rehearse the promises. You shall tell your children. You shall speak of it in the morning. You shall speak of it in the evening. Why? You're laying a principle that's going to help the economy of God. Maybe it's not the natural land anymore, but maybe it's someone who's following you. Where would you be today? Where would I be if we didn't have somebody that went before us? That's a good principle. I like, I like that. Let's just go to a scripture here. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. We've got just a couple more minutes and then we'll close. We'll start from verse 31. And he says, let's just start in verse 30. Give to every man that asks of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. Now this is the magnification of the law. This is Jesus telling the Jews that were there that were so inward and so possessive as brother Moses would speak you know the traditions of the elders of the law they couldn't break through those things but here's Jesus coming friends this message is not just a denomination this message is liberty we're going home after this you say well I got to protect this and yeah we do but that's another service for another day but we also need to express Christ give to every man Cast your bread on the waters. Well, I, you know what? I, you don't know if it'll come back to you, when it'll come back. You know, I found a really interesting principle. There's times that people have come and I've been able to help them. And, and now I look back many, many years later and sometimes I need help. You know where it comes from? The very same people I've been able to help. Does God watch over all these things? He absolutely does. Now, as you would that men should do unto you, do ye also to them likewise. This is as close to what the world calls the golden rule as you'll get. But if you love them which love you, what thank have you? For sinners also love those that love them. But if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also do even the same. The bridge builder maybe never saw the youth that would follow. He saw them along the way, but he said, I'm leaving this for somebody that will come after me. What about Brother Branham? What did he leave us that we can go with? What do we, what did Brother Harold, what did men that have gone before us, what am I doing for those that are following me? We ought to be building one another up with all we can. And he said, and if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank of you? For sinners shall also lend to sinners and receive as much. But love you, your enemies, and do good and lend. If you go back to the type in the Old Testament, when you lend to your brother, don't expect to charge huge interest rates. It's called usury. He says you can do that for the stranger, but don't do it for your brother. But on the other hand, there's a balance to it, and I won't get into that. But he says, do good and lend and hope for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be children of the highest, for he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful 
as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. I remember sometimes, even when we were disciplining our children, and, uh, and we would dis- have to discipline them, and sometimes I, I would think, I want them to be corrected, but I don't want my anger to go out. And I, and I recognize, if I allow my anger to go out, that's the way God will deal with me. So I just said, I realized, what you give out, you also get back. So we want to be Christians measuring out in the right way. Verse 38, give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Let's have the musicians come. We'll stop the service there today. Um, There's more that we could read. 1 Corinthians 10, you can read that, verses 23 on. But Paul would talk in a similar vein. There's other scriptures. 1 Corinthians 7, don't misuse or abuse as the fashion of this world and and things. But we always want to remember where we came from. We always want to be Christians, and and we want to recognize we're here as caretakers over God's economy. And and that, that means we may not see everything here, but it might be on the other side. Let's stand together. I like the song, you know, that you sang at the beginning, Brother Michael. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. I thought that was very appropriate for where we were going, so let's sing that again, if we will, okay? This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. Can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know, will I have no friend like you? My
and you would maybe remember the same. We all came from places where there was worldly attachments. But when you could cut those loose and you could give yourself to God, I'll tell you what, there's a freedom and there's a liberty that goes with that. Right now we're maybe custodians. Maybe we're caretakers. But I'll say we're moving into something. Adam's race, they fell from being God's And now God allowed them to be custodians, caretakers. But the title deed has come back into the hands of man. Do do I realize everything? No, I don't. But I believe we're there. The first fruits of it have already been made known to us. We saw it in our day. A prophet uh, would would come. And and what what was the things that God allowed to happen? Speak to a fish. What was it showing? Man is taking dominion on the earth again. So now it's, man is moving from a custodian, a caretaker. Now he's moving into, back to where Adam fell from. What did Brother Ram speak to? A storm. That was showing man is having dominion again. Look look at all the things and, 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 and the different things that would happen. And, and, and even, you know, just over the bees and the hornets. Do you think these are just stories? They're they're actually reality. A testimony of our sister Becky, she gave here. Just going out in the morning and God letting her cross paths with a deer. Just at a certain place. Do you think all of that just dwells together? What is watching over a bird in his nest? It's just showing your respect for God at every level. I think we... If we can live that way, I'll tell you what, there's a rest in living that way. God, let me live in that place. Amen. I'm giving, Lord, I'm giving my life away. Lord, I'm giving my life.